You're listening to the Upper Hand Fantasy Podcast. Now, here's your host, Faraz Sadiqi and Zach Rizzuto. All right, welcome once again to the Upper Hand Fantasy Show. This is Faraz Sadiqi. I have a very, very, very special guest in the house today, Nick Stevens, better known as Fitzy. He's a WEEI contributor for all things Boston and what we care about on this episode, the New England Patriots. Thank you for joining the show, Fitzy. Uh, listen, it is it is my pleasure uh, to bring some obnoxiousness, some pure, uncut, grade-A massholia uh, to the program today as well. Uh, I, whatever team it is that you and the majority of the upper-hand fantasy audience listen to, of course, they, they will not know the joy that I have over the past 20 years. So uh, you're welcome, and hopefully some of that cologne of arrogance that i have delivered in the first 45 seconds along with the care package of dunkin donuts candle pin bowling and steak tips that i sent you in advance has arrived and has been enjoyed by all and that's going to do it for this episode of the <laughs> upper hand fantasy <laughs> podcast thank you so much <laughs> oh, <I'm messing> around. <laughs> all right let's, let's get right uh, here for his too. first and last appearance on the upper hand <laughs> fantasy podcast the best at being the absolute worst fitzy from boston uh, no, it's it's an honor to be it's an honor I to be here. It. And listen, when when we when see see to me, and this is something that you know I I had to sort of learn in the school of hard knocks that was growing up mostly with teams that couldn't get out of their own way, uh, fell from the highest points, and perpetually disappointed us like the Red Sox. You know, I know you grew up in the seven one eight. You're a Metropolitans fan. Thank you so much for thickening my skin in 1986. I can still see Jesse Orozco striking out Marty Barrett in my dreams. Uh, I actually was so sad for Oz in 1986 when the Sox lost to the Mets that my mother allowed me to skip a day of school and sent me with a note the day after saying I needed a day of bereavement. That's how serious it. we take sports in, in Boston. And, uh, you know, uh, we came to appreciate how great it has been. Well, maybe not so much the last couple of years, but during that, what we call the Belichick Brady double dynastic run where it was wash, rinse, repeat AFC championship on a regular basis. And Brady became the storm that rose all the raised all the tides and forced everything around Boston from new hotels, architecture, and of course the Celtics, the Bruins and the Red Sox to elevate their game as well. Uh, it was just an absolutely magical run. But at the same time, like if you can't bust each other's chops, if you can't have fun, if you can't celebrate rivalry and fandom and, you know, the joy of being obnoxious or living under thumb like Jets fans have had for a long time, then what's the point of sports fans? I 100% agree. And I was telling you before the show that I was that obnoxious Jets fan living in Boston for seven, eight years at this bar with my Jets stuff on. I'm not like you mentioned, I'm a Mets fan. I am, you know, and but I still what did I do? I went to Red Sox games with Yankee stuff on. Of Brave. course I did, because Brave. that's what I, I just felt like being an asshole back. Yeah, that's, that's what I felt like doing, you know. But, so and, and I'll tell you, that's something that that's something, honestly, that like Bostonians, mass holes and New Englanders like, like if you can if you can dish it as well as you can take it, you'll earn the respect. And so that's probably why your particular brand of mostly sad Chad Pennington style karate was welcomed at that Boston bar for a long time because they were like, you know what? Yes. We actually don't mind this Jets fan. He's kind of funny. He punches back a little bit. Like I told you before the podcast, almost like you became like that bars, uh, like, you know, mascot. You were like the sad exactly. three legged blind dog that they adopted. And they were like, oh, come on. He can <laughs> eat from our cup and drink from our wine anytime. 
a hundred percent. I mean, they just felt bad for me. That's all it was, you know. And <laughs> and, and 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 they opened. They let me in with open arms. So I, I have nothing but oh. good things to say, man. The team right, outside let's, of New. Yeah, let's get into it, man. The team outside of New England. I'm the most fascinated in this year by ten thousand miles is the Jets. Oh, I have. A, I'm gro- trying to grow a third eye so I can focus more on the Jets. What an awesome, potentially out like. I would I would dare say like Oppenheimer has put this team together because it can it can be an explosive reaction for the better of humanity or it may just take out all of North Jersey and Hoboken and beyond. The expectations are so, so high. You know, we can't even get into training camp, Fitzy. I've been trying to get in. And the, it's just everything's different because Aaron Rodgers is there. The security's beefed up. You need extra wristbands to get in. You everything changed. Okay, so the everything the the stakes are a lot higher. We'll see what happens this year. I'm a I'm a Jets fan. I know how this works. I'm not getting my hopes up too high. I understand what's what we're capable of this year. We have a lot of the pieces. We'll see. But yeah. let's talk about the Patriots, man. All right. All right. I, was, I, I wanted to talk about a team that was going to finish with a winning record, but okay. <laughs> yeah. You know what, though? I'll say this. Like, I personally feel like, you know, despite not having a plethora of playmakers on the Patriots offense, like, I think we're going to see a little bit of a night and day change in this offense, right? Like, mainly because they actually have an offensive coordinator now, right? Last yeah. year, they had a defensive coordinator called the offensive plays, and I don't really understand why you would want your your young first-round quarterback to have to go through that, right? Seems like sabotage to me. But now we're talking a real offense here with Bill O'Brien back. What are you expecting to change the most for this offense with just that piece of the puzzle? You know, it's, 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 it's like Bill O'Brien has overnight a guy that's previously been here and experienced success, uh, speaking of given and taken, uh, famously got into an F-bomb-laden shouting match on the sidelines with Tom Brady in 2011. And I think it was on that day that many Patriots fans who were still sad that Josh McDaniels had left town and even beaten Bill Belichick back in 2009 during his year-and-a-half stint as coach of the Broncos, that's when Patriots fans were like, you see that guy right there? The guy with the butt chin yelling at Brady? That's my guy. I love this guy. So you add up last year's torpid, pathetic, just absolutely ass-backwards, reverse-engineered offense by Matt Patricia and Joe Judge, people who, uh, as my podcast partner on Six Rings in Football Things uh, put it, the only crime that Matt Patricia truly was guilty of in 2022 was saying yes to a job he was not qualified for. But unfortunately, that sort of plays into the wheelhouse of excessive fundamental football belief and, dare I say, teetering on arrogance that Bill Belichick oftentimes brings to the table to his and the team's betterment at times and also to his and the team's detriment at times. Some even said in New England last year for us that bringing aboard Matt Patricia, uh, favoring his relationship with Nick Saban and not wanting to upset that emotional apple cart by poaching Bill O'Brien away from the 2022 Crimson Tide was a fireable offense that they believed that he thought, you know what? I know enough about offense. I mean, Matt has had to try to stop them for 20 years. Joe Judge coached a team in New York that once went for a quarterback sneak on third and nine from their own four. So obviously this hive mind of gridiron brilliance should be able to put an offense together. And instead of now focusing on how that likely could and did at the time frustrate disappoint, infuriate Mac Jones, the rest of the team, Kendrick Bourne, the fan base. 
I look to it now as someone who tries to divine the positive from the negative. I know what a refreshing purview and perspective from somebody from New England. But in looking to take the plus out of the giant bag of minuses that was an eight and nine team that was still even this close to making the playoffs last year, I think this has steeled Mac Jones. I think this has given him uh, res real resolve. Now, yes, it was a, uh, 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 an emotional red shirt of a sophomore season for him last year. But now the fact that he was grabbed by the ankle and dipped in the river shit that was the Matt Patricia offense in the 2022 Patriots, and he's survived it, you're seeing a, a more confident, poised, and happy Mac Jones. A and yesterday, on Monday, August 21st, during what is Patriots Monday on WEI, several players had a chance to be interviewed by all the day parts. And they all sound, crazy enough, happy content maybe not content they sound excited and eager to get back to it because you're going to see a return to com competitive competent football and i think you even got a taste of it in saturday night's truncated game that was called with 10 and a half minutes left after isaiah bolden suffered that very scary concussion but thankfully he's okay uh you saw an offense that got in and out of the huddle they actually made sight adjustments they different different reads at the line Mac Jones RPO rate is already like he's already called more RPOs in the preseason than he did the entire last year. Dare I say they're going to play into his strengths, grow him this year and give him the best chance to not only be a long term Kirk Cousins like quarterback in the NFL, but maybe a leader in Foxborough under center for the next decade. And uh, we like to say anyone who believes in young Michael McCorkle Jones, number 10, is uh, a resident of Mac Island. I have taken up what I hope is long-term residence there. And I think you're going to see a competitive offense this year. I love it. But what are the expectations though now for Mac Jones, right? Like again, a real offensive corner can help them. They work together at Alabama, right? Yep. Mac apparently, you know, helped them, you know, learn a lot of the offense there. Right. And they're implementing mm -hmm. some of that in new England. So he should be more familiar with some of that, but Mac Jones was kind of on the hot seat last year, right? Because he couldn't, you know, run those defensive play calls, I guess, on offense. But yeah. sorry, I can't get over that. No, no, no. It was the Arizona <laughs> defensive coordinator in advance of that absolute, you know, visual ambient of a game where Kyler Murray got hurt and DeAndre Hopkins professes love to Bill Belichick, obviously to no, uh, <laughs> to no fitting end because now he's trapped in the Tannehill fire down in Tennessee uh, with the right, Mike right. Titans. Uh, you know, now there it, are, but. Their coordinator I mean, said it looks like a defensive coordinator is calling their offense. That's what it was. Because that's what it was. Exactly. Exactly. Um, but are there any rumblings at all now, like around Bailey Zappi, like to be creeping into that QB1 role like, there, like it was last year? Or is this Max team, right? And if it is Max it is. team, what are the expectations for him this year? All right. It's called upper hand fantasy. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say there are a plethora of stars on the New England Patriots offense that I would draft outside of Ramondre Stevenson, because I think kind of like Nikola Jokic out in Denver, the entire offense should be funneled to and run through him. Even if Ezekiel Elliott, who has had a slight uptick in his usage uh, in practice since he's been there all of a week, Zeke will probably be. Uh, a backup hammer to Ramondre and maybe a pass catching back because Zeke is sneaky good catching the ball out of the backfield. He's got uh, over, I think he's got 12 receiving touchdowns in his career and over 300 catches. Great in pass pro, which they're going to need because the offensive line is, it's an offensive line to say the least. Uh, on our podcast, we have called the battle for 
the right tackle position, the hobo rumble. Like one of these <laughs> bums is going to have to win this fight and get the job. And that's going to be an issue all season long. We're focusing on things like that, which rookie receivers from Pop Douglas, the speedy little get open in a phone booth and an Italian sports car, twitchy guy out of Douglas, excuse me, out of Liberty, his pop, Kayshawn Booty, the wide receiver out of LSU. Can he be a discount Steph Diggs or will he just be the latest in a long line of receivers that have been drafted by the Patriots that haven't worked out? Tyquan Thornton, uh, your beverage is ready. As far as the quarterbacks go, Everyone does believe that Mac Jones is the most physically talented. He's the most cerebral. He's the most ready for this job. The Bailey Zappi parade last year, or Zappi hour, as everyone liked to call it, uh, was really not even so much, I feel like, a shot across the bow of Mac Jones or an indictment of his play last year, as it was basically he was, he was the collateral damage. Like Mac's hurt feelings and his frustrations were friendly fire between an incredibly frustrated Patriots fan base that didn't like the Patricia decision at all whatsoever, still wonders what the hell he was doing with Cam Newton in 2020, and to be quite fair, hasn't even had a chance to air all of their dirty laundry towards Bill Belichick and kind of Robert Kraft as to why they let Tom Brady go prematurely. So Zappi came in. He was not a pushback guy. There was a lot of tension reportedly between Matt Patricia and Mac Jones, you saw the F-bombs on Thursday night football, you know, dry swearing, lots of colorful metaphors on Monday night football. I had heard stories that Joe Judge was really, really, really creating friction and rubbing a lot of guys on the offense the wrong way because he's a bit of a didactic hardo. Here comes Bailey Zappi. Oh, shucks. I'll do whatever you says, Mr. Patricia, Mr. Judge. And he looks good for a while until, you know, the backup quarterback, who is often the most popular guy in town, hit his slightly lower rookie ceiling against the Bears. And I look at that. It's not the backwards pass by Myers in Vegas. It wasn't Ramondre fumbling in the failed comeback on Christmas Eve against the Bengals. The Patriots, in, in effect, shot their season in the foot last year by goofing around with Mac and then Zappy in the Chicago game and blowing a game that they were 10-point favorites, according to Vegas, in, and quite honestly – setting a very uneasy tone for the remainder of what was a choppy season that I'd just as soon forget as I would discuss further. I totally get that, man. So let's move on to this backfield real quick. And you, you, and you brought it up. You brought Zeke coming in. You know, the expectation before this was that Ramondre was basically going to do everything on every down, like he kind of did last year, right? Damian mm -hmm. Harris was banged up. He's gone now. Now they bring in Zeke kind of last minute. Do you think that Zeke was brought in? You mentioned the pass protection, potentially taking away some targets, but do you think he was brought in to do a lot more than potentially take a few goal line carries away? You know, Ramondre wasn't necessarily the most efficient short yardage back last year, especially around the goal line. Do you think that's what they brought him in for? And do you think that he's more of a 1B to Ramondre, or do you think he's like more closer to a distant second in terms of usage? Uh, I definitely think he's going to be a 1B as, a, as opposed to a, a distant second. But I think that's also because the Patriots are going to lean heavily, even with the turmoil and uncertainty along the offensive line. They're going to lean on their running game, but they're especially going to lean on their backs for, like I was saying earlier, the offense should run through Ramondre Stevenson. They're going to run so much of this offense through the screen, through the flat, you're going to, it's almost like when you see a shot chart in basketball and you see like a Golden State one is going to have a lot of red and green dots around the perimeter, or in Steph Curry's case, 10, yard, 10, 10 feet behind that, excuse me. Right. And with, with the New England Patriots, 
if you were to look at a graph or a chart at the end of the year, like where all of Mac Jones's passes went, they're all they're going to look like butterfly wings. They're going to look like they're just going to be shooting out at an angle to the left, a little further to the left, laterally to the left, behind him to the left, because he's not going to have a lot of time to throw the ball. You're just not going to see. They're going to have they will have to scheme creatively, find ways to create enough time for Mac Jones to throw the ball downfield. You're going to need Ramondre Stevenson. You're going to need Ezekiel Elliott to not only you know try to hammer home short yardage, but also catch a lot of balls. Whatever the over-under is right now on Ramondre Stevenson catches, even with Zeke coming in to potentially vulture some of those, smash the over on that. Smash it all day, every day. Bet the farm and twice on Sunday. And with Zeke last year, I know he had a down year in terms of yards per carry, but he was still highly effective in converting third down carries, highly effective around the goal line. And though Tony Pollard became the star, Zeke still had almost 900 rushing yards and 12 touchdowns. Who among us wouldn't want that on a fantasy team or a real life team that has a star running back in blossom right now in the form of Ramondre Stevenson, who I think we all saw took a little extra tread off the tires last year and was gassed by season's end. Like he wasn't prepared for over 90 targets and 200 some odd carries. Like that's a workload for a second year back taken in the fourth round who people thought would be a compliment to Damian Harris, but honestly has kind of emerged as a star. Oh yeah, for sure. And he is a fantasy star for sure. And and, and the Zeke signing did, you know, have an effect on it, right? Because people oh, yeah. are like, oh man, I, I, I was really hoping Ramondre be the guy and now Zeke's coming in. What kind of effect does that have? But at the end of the day, like you said, Ramondre is going to rack up those receptions, right? And that's really oh, what it's going to come down to. For certain. And, you know, there's a very interesting, all season long, the the comps between how the Jets backfield performs and how the Patriots backfield performs are going to be fascinating to me because there was the, you know, you could say that I've talked myself into Ezekiel Elliott being a better fit for the Patriots, whereas Dalvin Cook is a perfect fit for the Jets in a lot of ways. Uh, maybe I'm just trying to do that because I really wanted Dalvin Cook and I've been a huge fan of his since he came out of Florida State. Uh, but in a lot of ways, like it makes so much sense to bring in a proven stud 1A back who can and should take over when he's cleared for contact and practice for Brees Hall because don't rush that guy. Like That kid is a star. That kid is Agreed. a hoss. He is an absolute wagon. But don't rush him back from that ACL. Yeah, he might look good right now, but put too exactly. much stress on that reconstituted ACL and you could, have, you could have him wear down. It could have another injury. Dalvin Cook wants exactly. to feed and go get another contract and be the man. Let him be the man. Whereas Zeke, at this point, I could see him being such a positive force, both in terms of relief and mentor met, uh, veteran mentorship for Ramondre in a Patriots running back room where Kevin Harris, Pierre Strong Jr., please, those, those kids aren't ready for prime time either. I think both of them worked out extremely well for both teams. Yeah, no, I totally agree on the on the Dalvin side. That's one of the reasons why I was happy to, that that he signed because of the fact that Dalvin Cook, I mean that Brees Hall was coming off that ACL. Don't rush him back. You know he's super young. He'll be fine. He'll be fine next season. Give, give him that full workload next year. Talk to me about these wide receivers. You know they let go of Jacoby Myers. They're bringing Juju, and my guess is that they wanted someone who was you know better suited against zone coverage. I think you know Jacoby was a better against man coverage, one on ones, that sort of thing. Juju way better at zone but not as good against man and you know as we know this league is going towards a lot more zone coverage than man coverage now now is it gonna is 
Juju potentially going to be the primary number one for Mac Jones? Is it going to be one of these tight ends? They're apparently working a lot of that 12 personnel, two tight end sets, right? Early on, Mike Gesicki popping at OTAs and minicamp. Now I'm hearing more Hunter Henry. They paid Devontae Parker. I have no idea what that was about, but can you make sense of this situation a little bit for, uh, for me? Like, if you had to tell me, outside of Ramondre, you know, who is this, who is the guy who might get the most production, the most looks from Mac Jones? Who 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 would you say that is? I, it's going to have to be Juju Smith-Schuster. And it, I think the combination of him being a better zone beater, him being uh, better on the point of contact, uh, him being a better blocker than Jacoby Myers. Uh, you know, I always called Jacoby Myers the discount Slim Reaper because he yeah. kind of like looked a lot like, ran like, was a uh, uh, great with his footwork, great with his hands, kind of like Devontae Smith. He just, you know, he's the grocery store equivalent to him. He's not like the the fresh off the lot sticker premium version, like the actual Slim Reaper, who I think is going to just continue to feed for oh, yeah. the Philadelphia Eagles. Love that kid. Absolutely. Absolutely love him. Um so Jacoby Myers was, you know, slow of foot, but clinical and had great hands and always found a way to get open. He was Mac's favorite target. Juju Smith-Schuster is probably the right guy for what they're looking to do now. Someone who isn't afraid to go out, uh, you know, quick screens. He'll go out uh, 10, 12. He'll go over the middle. He's not afraid of contact. He's a tough guy. Very experienced from the time in Pittsburgh last year. If we could replicate the numbers he ended up in Kansas City with last year, I think it was like. 900 some odd yards, 60 some odd catches. It'll probably be, I'd say, an uptick in those catches, probably around the same 900 to 1,000 yards, five or six touchdowns. Fine season by me, and I will have no quibble or quorum with their decision to go with the guy they didn't know versus the guy they draft they that came in undrafted and they groomed into a quality NFL player. As far as the rest of the receivers go, you know, Devontae Parker has uh, achieved something few wide receivers ever could, which is leading the league in lack of separation for three straight seasons, which I think is pretty spectacular, probably deserves a, a gold watch or at least a certificate of achievement for that. Maybe a pizza party. I mean, it's, it's really something to be able to survive in the NFL, literally being the guy who finishes last three straight season in this new stat that they, they track uh, yards of separation is spectacular. And yet still great on the 50, 50 balls. He calls them 80 twenties. I don't think he's a number one wide receiver. You're going to see a room full of twos. Kendrick Bourne, he's always wanted to be um, an affordable Debo Samuel, but hasn't been given the opportunities. Clashed infamously last year with Matt Patricia. Now it looks like he's going to set for a bounce back season. He's in great shape. You're going to have a pass-catching core from Hunter Henry through Mike Gesicki. Hunter Henry's the one I would definitely draft first amongst all of them because he did have nine touchdowns in 2021 and he's in the best shape of his life. He just told us yesterday on Monday on the radio that this was the first off season where he was fully healthy, no surgeries, no rehabilitation. So he was able to, as he called it, attack the off season, work on his footwork, get in better shape, learn more root trees. He said he's plugged into the energy of Bill O'Brien who has been a necessary spark plug for both himself and the entire offense. So these guys are all fired up to, not only push past the absolute medical waste fire that the offense was last year, but go back to 2021, start with progress from there. It's almost like if there was a, like if there's a, a, a movie trilogy for Oz where like the first movie was good and you're like, okay, I'll see the second one. And then the second one was so bad. They're just ignoring it in Canon 
and they're just jumping right ahead to the third one and everyone's pretending the second movie didn't happen. Uh, right. They, they did that with Halloween three, but I'm looking for the equivalent <laughs> of a second one. That's why I like guys like, you know, Hunter Henry's going to be good. Mike Kosicki, unfortunately, already had a mild dislocation of his shoulder. He may be available for week one. He'll be a red zone threat, but I think people need to temper their expectations for him. Like, oh, he's going to be, you know, he's a he's a giant slot receiver and tight ends close. Bill O'Brien recruited him to Penn State. They're going to go off together. I'd stick with I I would trust the guys that have gotten you there before, like Ramondre, like Juju and like Hunter Henry. OK, talk to me about Keishon Booty, man. Drafted in the sixth round. Probably would have been a first round pick if he was allowed to leave after his freshman year. The injuries, you know, were way too much, obviously. T- t- ton of stuff he had to deal with in college. But if this guy pans out, you guys have a steal in your hands, right? Mm-hmm. He caught a touchdown this weekend. How has he been looking at camp, you know, outside of what we saw in this preseason game? Okay. This, the footwork of the safety who tried to get in the way of Kayshawn Saturday night in Green Bay. Looked like my footwork as I try to get up out of bed and use the bathroom in the middle of the dark after I had a few too many drinks and the kids leave Legos on the floor. All right. It was nothing. It was pretty remarkable that he was able to stay up on his own two feet. But at the same time, it was also pretty bad. That said, he is the only wide receiver through the first two pretend season games to score. Now, I, I, I caution Patriots fans who have already come out and said, Molly Cunningham, he's like the new Lamar Jackson dude. Kayshawn Booty, <laughs> we got Justin Jefferson at like 150th of the price. Demario Douglas, uh, who needs Zay Flowers? We got the new Julian Edelman out of Liberty. All right, everyone, just relax. <laughs> Give these kids a chance who have all shown promise and do have legitimate potential. Give them time to grow and mature at their own rate. Don't slap expectations that it'll be so difficult for them to live up to that they'll cave to the pressure. It's going to be difficult enough to perform for someone who's so demanding and exacting, energetic and positive as he may be like Bill O'Brien. Mac Jones, who they call McEnroe Jones, he sets a high level of expectations and and holds people to a high standard of accountability. You know, teaching Bill O'Brien the offense, Jim Nagy famously saying at the Senior Bowl, he used to have to go to the library every night at midnight and tell Mac Jones, turn the lights off and go home and get some sleep. You can only study football so often. So hopefully that football guy energy carries over to these young kids and they realize what an awesome opportunity this is. I have been fascinated by Kayshawn Booty from day one because, like you said, if he left after freshman year, if there was a portal so the kids could kind of like they do in the NBA, do one and done, Booty would have been a first-round draft pick. I mean, like, his rookie tape at LSU was sick. And when you go look at, like, I don't know if you happen to have seen this, but they flashed this stat Saturday night against Green Bay, the fastest receiver to uh, I think it was 100 catches in LSU history was Booty. He got there a game faster than Justin Jefferson. And by the way, the receivers that got there in like 23 games and 24 games happened to be like Jamar Chase and Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry. So that is a hell of a wall of fame right there to be a part of. The ankle injuries, uh, personal off-field matters, clashing with uh brian uh whatever the hell is uh geez i always forget his name i think i kind of do it on purpose brian uh kelly the coach at lsu they didn't they didn't vibe at all so everything sort of set his value and his usage back even though last year he still had a buck 50 and a touchdown against georgia which is not the easiest thing to not the easiest thing to do with all the studs that came out of that defense so if he keeps his mind right 
He was the first guy Bill O'Brien started yelling at and working hard back in OTAs in May. Mac is working with him. Malik Cunningham, apparently the quarterback wide receiver hybrid that's trying to make the team has taken him under his wing. If this kid can keep his head straight, stay healthy, they legitimately may have a big body possession receiver who's got the skills to actually, you know, show up on Sundays in a positive way. Like we may actually have a steal, but I also don't want to say it because I'm going to jinx it. And then he's going to get hurt. And I'm going to be like, Shit. <laughs> no, why can't we have mean. nice things anymore? Well, you know what? A lot of people in the fantasy community were, were was looking at, at, at booty as somebody who, you know, take a shot on, right. To see what happens. Right. I oh, think yeah. as he has the upside, right. The floor is the floor all the way down, but the ceiling can be pretty high. Now, I think that's going to do it for this segment, Fitzy. I really, really appreciate you coming on, man. Thanks for the time. Um, and guys, like you can find Fitzy on Twitter at Fitzy GFY. You can search for him there. Fitzy, can you tell these guys where they could find you? WEI 93.7. What times and what shows? Of course. Thanks for having me again. It's a pleasure talking Patriots with a fantasy perspective uh, and a good-natured barb-laden chat that you can have with a Jetropolitan fan as well. Um, <laughs> I, I'm looking forward to the game I have. Like every, Everyone in New England can't wait to see Tom Brady come home September 10th. It's going to be a massively emotional day. It's already the highest-priced ticket in the NFL. I personally wow. cannot wait for week three because I want to go to Helms Deep once again with the Orcs down there at MetLife Stadium. I mean, Jets fans are something else, I'm telling you. And I get some of the best social media that I do when I do my fan on the street work in parking lots talking to fans. Right. Just think of this. What if the Jets and the Patriots are both 0-2 for us? And oh, week three basically turns into an Aaron Rodgers versus Bill Belichick, Mac Jones versus Quinn and Williams and Sauce Gardner loser leaves town match because you know 0-3 teams, <laughs> even in the 17-game season, have a 10% chance of making the postseason. Right, which is unbelievable, which is wild. Um, anyway, you can catch me down there. I'll be out. I'll be out working the lots at Jet Life Stadium on the twenty fourth. But until then, I'm at Fitzy GFY across all the socials. I'm on the weekends doing the Fitzy and Hart program, the host of the Patriots Six Rings post game show on Weei Heard Nights, and every day on the Six Rings and Football Things podcast. And should anyone come to a Patriots game. I'll be serving once again this year at Gillette Stadium as the in-stadium game day event host. So if you see this Irish-Greek guy with a backwards cap yelling, let's go, Pats, on the new world's biggest jumbotron, that's your guy, Fitzy GFY. I love it. I love it. I appreciate you, man. And I hope, hope, hope you can come back on soon. Holler anytime, my man. Have a great season. All go, right. Pats. Thanks, man. Take it easy. 2400 Sports is an Odyssey company. 